it was three o'clock in the morning on August 5th, 2025. Glendon had just awoken from a deep sleep. He was thirsty. He climbed over to the refrigerator in his bachelor apartment and desperately looking for anything he could, he found a jar. There was only jars, jars of a milky white substance. He pulls out a jar and he just can't control himself. He has to dip his hands in and consume the liquid. He tastes it and it's, it's milk. It's a curdled milk. But there's an odd, peculiar flavor in this curdled milk. And he realizes that every jar is labeled breast milk. And he wonders to himself. This is not where I thought this was going. He, he wonders to himself. How, why is there breast milk in my fridge? And why is it curdled? He looks around and suddenly he has a wife and a child. They come toward him with open arms. And he wonders... How how does this how did this happen? Where am I? Where's my bachelor apartment? Because suddenly he's in a five-story house. He's rich, he's famous. He's written five novels. And he's married to three wives. His wives ask him to bring out the goods because he needs the goods to be brought out. And the door knocks, and he opens it up to see a bright, sunny day. And no one's there, but the bunnies running through the field of flowers, consuming every worm they find. He turns back, and his wives have morphed into one woman, the queen herself. He's married to the queen of England. She walks towards him slowly, and he knows what he must do. As he takes off... (laughs) As he takes off his belt, he the roof flies out from on top, and in flies none other than Ryan Johnson, his savior and his hero. He swoops him up into the air, and as Glendon smiles in the strong arms of the one man he adores more than any other, he hears a slight whisper in his ear, the unmistakable voice of J.J. Abrams saying this is my swamp now and as Glendon weeps and know why you're writing fan fiction about me um uh, is, is this part of your other channel now yep i've got a fan fiction channel all about you that's what your channel's about you and ryan johnson i really thought when you started talking about drinking milk that it was gonna go into like just cats 2019 oh i forgot i was gonna put like a bunch of cats in there too ah uh, oh i then... forgot it was gonna be queen elizabeth as a cat so like Judy Dench. Yeah, basically. It's ju- basically What Judy was Dench. the symbolism of the three wives? The way the world will be split oh. into thirds. 
uh, context, um, if you cut your books into halves or thirds, you're evil, and you literally bring like it's a trinitarian image, though. It's the word. You will bring a destruction upon the world, unlike anything we've ever seen before. I like, yeah. I, I hope you enjoyed your milk story. I was mildly <laughs> horrified. I, I, I almost held it together the entire time. No, you didn't. Until until the belt, and then I completely lost. You it. did. Because I, it's just so ridiculous. It's quite ridiculous, in fact. Okay, we're back. It's been a while. It's Merry Christmas, Happy New Life. We already said Merry Christmas back in but the day. But now it's Happy New... Happy birthday, Noah. Okay, that's <laughs> literally a month ago now. Actually, though, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. Have we seen each other since the last podcast? Nope, we haven't. Well, because here we are. you didn't come hiking with us. I was busy. We invited this man out for a hike. And we were waiting for him for hours. No, you weren't. <laughs> we were actually in a McDonald's drive-thru, and they are like, oh. And you think you would find me in a McDonald's drive-thru? It was in Canmore, so maybe. You messaged me about, like, a laptop, I think, and then I'm like, oh, that's what he's doing today. Yeah. And then we all were like, oh, he ditched us. I, I said I wasn't coming. Yeah, and we were disappointed. And we went to the hot springs. We bought a rock for Stephen Jeans. I love Okay. English, so there's no English program day. It's a humanities program day this year. And they're just doing a Banff trip. What? Yeah. Is that a thing you're going to? I don't know. I wasn't going to, and then Sarah and Rachel were like, you need to come. Sarah who? Uh, Joy. Oh, yeah, we're not on speaking terms. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they're like, you need to come. And I'm like, literally. You need to come. Stop being you. Um, <laughs> you said it, not me. Literally the only reason I would come to Banff would be to hang out with my English friends and to hang out with the faculty, not because of anything that they're actually doing. So am I invited? I mean, you could probably come. I'm going to Europe with you all. I better be invited. I I imagine you could show up. Talk to Jansen and be like, I'm showing. And you're uh, you're going doing what? So can the hot springs for a couple of hours, then Wait. return to town for the mid-afternoon. Wait, let me clarify. We're going to be in the hot springs with a bunch of humanities props darren dick has specifically said he does not want to go in the hot springs but yeah that's such a weird <gasps> I image don't, i don't know if i want to be it's a very uncomfortable professors. image so i think that's like these are these are options that's not really made clear but i think these are options something bad happened oh glenn pulled out his phone oh i just got a text back from sarah fan and she's like i'm glad you messaged me oh she didn't know i don't know i i, I sent her a text like did you get goosen's email tell her to come on the podcast right now be like, come over, to, come over to my bedroom. Yikes! And come on the podcast. Um, okay. So it sounds like your life is going great. Yeah. Um, I saw Cats, so that was good. The only movie ever released unfinished. I mean, you could make an argument for the original trilogy of Star Wars. But even like the effects were finished. Well, I guess. I mean, Lucas did change that. Yeah. So. Okay, fine, fine. But it was still... It was. It, it did have a day one patch. But it was also 1977. Yeah, yeah. Not 2019. Not 2019. 
Um, the funny thing is, like, the the changes they made aren't even noticeable. Like, it still looks the same. There were cats that fell, apparently, like, glitched through the floor like a video game. That's a problem. It is a problem. Um, Picard comes out tomorrow. The card- I mean, oh, sorry. Picard. Star Trek. Oh, Picard. really? Um, nice. Actually, by tomorrow, I mean last week, Thursday, because this podcast is coming out next week. Nice. We're dating this podcast. This this is, time frames are confusing, but anyway, Star Trek Picard will be out. That's exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Is I it, actually have pretty high hopes. Is it a week-by-week model? Yes. Nice. I don't think they're doing... It's not a binge, I don't think. Yeah. That's, that's a whole interesting conversation of like how those models work. Because Netflix has consistently done the binge model and now we have stuff like the mandalorian and watchmen and all these other shows which and even like game of thrones and breaking bad when they're really big which are like a week by week format and are leaving so much more of a cultural impact and impression yep because it's a longer period of time it is because you take something like stranger things stranger things is a great incredible really well done show season three was so good season three was so good but people don't talk about it because it was just nope. a binge, and then you're it's over with. Yeah, yeah, huh? You just made me think of Stranger Things now, though. Is that a bad thing? No, that last that finale though actually wrecked me. It's so good, which is weird. Yeah, because typically I don't like get worked up about TV shows, but yeah. like that ending actually had me like, oh crap! I remember when I was a kid and had to like when people moved away. Yeah. It's like, and oh. then oh, they play they play heroes again. Yes, which. Which wrecked me. I literally went and looked that up after, and I'm yeah. like, ah, oh, shoot. Because that was that was my favorite part of season one. Is I think it's the ep- end of episode three, mm. and everything's going to trash, and they play heroes, and it's like, it uh, moves me. Yep. And then they do that again in this ep- this season, and it's so good. That was yeah. Okay, not Stranger Things. Um, okay, we talked about Picard briefly. Yeah. Um, Clone Wars is coming out. Clone Wars is coming out. And then you wanted to talk about a certain man named John Boyega. I wanted to talk about Star Wars briefly. Um, he's we, my hero. Really? I actually don't care. Okay. But I follow him on Twitter and he's pretty funny. That's fair. Here's my thing. Um, so Rise of Skywalker is a movie that happened. Um, I don't. Did. I don't hate it. I don't think it's good. I think we will we we agree to disagree a little bit, but I like. Well, I understand there's like some significant issues in the movie, and I yeah. wish they had done some things differently. Oh, yeah. I actually like. I enjoyed the movie for what it was. Mm-hmm. How many times have you seen it? Only once. I think I saw it the first time and I enjoyed it. The second time, I was like, I don't think I can do this again. I don't know. I'll, I'll have to see. I want to watch all three in a row. That's fair. Once they're out, there's a lot in this movie that just feels very rushed. Um. <laughs> I'm I'm finally getting good progress on the article that I wanted to write. Finally, because um, it, it was a monstrosity, I had to like restart from scratch essentially. Um, mm. But there's a lot in this movie that feels experiential, where it's like it's made yep. for you to watch it once. Yep. And then I when think. you watch it a second time, it doesn't work. Uh. Stuff, stuff like Palpatine in the first scene, he's like kill the girl, and then that his mode his entire plan and motivation completely changes for no reason but i think again you have to understand that palpatine's always playing i don't know if he is in the i like i can't tell in this movie if his plan is changing because he's a genius or he's an idiot but it's one of those well that's that's always the question with palpatine is Is he a genius or an idiot i feel like he's usually a genius (laughs) i feel like he was a genius here i i don't 
the he was also it's it, it should be noted he's like a possessed kind of human which is dumb i don't like that it. he's possessed by the sith i don't i don't think that works i don't think that works with what we know about the sith so you know my big critique is i wish they had just said i am the sith not i am all of the sith yeah it just flows better i am the senate yeah exactly it would have been a yeah. good callback that would have been the problem once we get started about this movie, I can go on for hours. Cause yeah, like, I'm cutting you off this uh, yeah, time. Yeah, you can cut me off. Because like, looking at this article that I've done, yeah. I don't know if there's a single creative choice that f- feels both... I don't know. Every creative choice just feels weak. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put forward one argument. Mm-hmm. Two arguments, actually. Okay. That I feel like worked well off of what The Last Jedi put okay. forward. Because The Last Jedi, kind of the theme of the movie was that... It's almost like the anti scapegoating, anti like violence begets violence thing. Yeah. Like how do you like it mentions that there's a cycle of violence and whenever you respond with violence, it's cyclical. Yes. That's kind of like one of the major themes of the movie, and that's why when Rose, yeah, like when she almost dies or whatever near the end, Mm -hmm. and she says like you can't, what is it? You can't win by destroying what you hate, but by saving what you love. Like that's kind of what the solution is put forward. The yeah, solution that's put forward. I would agree to break the cycle, and I feel like the rise of Skywalker, at the very least, tries to put that into imagery. Really? I I think it did the exact opposite, and I I can argue that because, and I know here's the thing. Like I say that because I think that's what they tried to do, but does it work? And does it feel like it's earned? Is the question? Yeah. Because when Ray confronts Palpatine, mm-hmm. she does point out that she won't kill him and she refuses to hate him but which then she is, does but she doesn't hate him and she doesn't we the, don't know that uh she says i i take her at her word there here's the thing which um, is what she says in that scene is a very ray thing to say i don't know if it is this is this is a whole debate what i will say return of the jedi the throne room scene works because the emperor is poking at luke and his flaws yeah. of always like too being too eager to do the right thing yeah um and like luke has a problem he's like i want to redeem my father yep. and i want to stop the war yep. and the solution is to kill palpatine yeah but to kill the emperor is an act of hatred see but here's the thing but luke is never asked to kill the emperor yeah he scene. is no. he's like strike me down with all of your hate and then but it's more as the battle progresses it's far more like strike down vader and take his place it starts with the emperor being like, yes. "You, you should strike me." Like that is yeah. the crux, and Vader stops him. Um, and like Palpatine is always the problem. Killing Vader isn't the problem. Killing the Emperor is the yeah. problem. Sure. And the solution is love. But Luke almost, almost messes up. He does. He almost like falls into the dark side. But the solution is love because yeah. Anakin Skywalker loves his son, and yep. that changes things. Yep, I agree. Um, in Rise of Skywalker, Palpatine, the Emperor is like kill me and ray agrees for some reason but she doesn't agree but she does she she's like you know what she she has a moment where she's like i'm gonna go through with with the ritual oh yeah oh there is a moment because she feels and, like she has no other choice and the only reason which i don't think it makes sense and the only reason she stops is because ben comes in what a what a lad what a boy um, and then ben comes in and then they just win by killing the emperor and that works somehow see but here's the thing 
I think there is a very specific point to the fact that it's not a raid that specifically kills the emperor. It's the emperor that kills himself. It's still violence begetting violence, though. But it's his own violence begetting his violence. I don't think that... I, she doesn't do any... Like, I, I recognize that that is a counter-argument. Yeah. I don't think it changes that much. But what Ray does in that moment is how, like, the Jedi were always supposed to act out of defense, not out of, like, offense. I think there's a better way to do it. There, oh, absolutely. Yeah. But my point, actually, my point wasn't actually really Ray and Palpatine. Oh, okay. It was more Ben Solo and Ray. Yeah. That's what I think would break the cycle. Oh, I agree. They, they it should have ended with Ben and Ray. Oh, I agree. And the but see, I know people are, and I as well, I'm kind of upset and, that and Ben had to die. This is going to be a good transition. But. There's no other way to have done it other than for Ben to have given his life. Oh, I disagree. He he had to do the self-sacrifice. It had to be done. I don't think so. That's I the only way to break the cycle. Have them both live. You have to. But they're, the, again, the whole, like, we talked about this with The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. They're very much trying to draw on the Christian imagery here. I don't, like, That's, to an extent, but... And Ben had to play the part of the self-sacrifice. I don't think so. I don't think Ben's redemption works if he dies mm, at the end. But he doesn't just die. He gives his life. I still don't think it works. Because then it's just... And he's being brought back, okay? No, he isn't. Yeah, he is. He probably isn't. 100% they're going to do a thing where she has to go and bring him back from like the world between worlds. I don't think they will. I think they're done with this story. I don't think so. Um, But whatever. if, If... Anyway... Um, this is a good transition because, so, what do you want to talk about here? Because there Jack was, Boyega. okay, I just want to briefly see the Ben Solo or uh, Adam Driver when he acts as Ben Solo and he does the whole, like, he acts like Han Solo, so but also has like the Anakin lightsaber flare. Yeah. That was some of the best acting in the sequel trilogy. I just want to point that Maybe. out. Adam Driver's the best actor in the franchise. Oh, 100%. Um, he nailed it. Like, he isn't given any dialogue after the redemption, but he but still he, sells it physically, yeah. which is impressive. Supposedly, he like there were lines he said, but the editors decided his acting, like his physical acting was so good. Uh, I don't know if that's... That's what the editor said. Yeah, there's a lot of behind the scenes of this movie. Anyway. <laughs> so fun. Okay, anyway, you can um, talk about John Boyega. So, John Boyega's a guy, he and... Is. There's so many layers to this conversation is the thing. Do you want to talk about Oscar Isaac in the same breath? Here's the thing. Oscar Isaac and John Boyega are completely different. Um, they're both pretty sassy. But they're sassy in completely different ways and okay. with different motivations. Because okay. Oscar Isaac's thing was like, um, first of all, he's a great actor and just yep. seems very tired of Disney. And he wanted to do like the whole Finn Poe thing, or at least like yeah, whatever, and they wouldn't let him. They they specifically threw in female characters so that they could be very heterosexual. I will say though that what's what's her face? Uh Jana? No Zori. the other one. Her I, I kinda liked her character, even though it was stereotypical. Yeah. It was still entertaining. I liked the idea of both their characters. They just don't do anything. Can I point out that's one of the only points when her and and Poe are talking that there's a very prominent prequel theme in the movie? What's the prequel theme? I don't remember if it's a Geonosis or like Camino or like it's something from Attack of the Clones. Are you sure? Yes, 100%. I don't think it's either. Someone noted it on the Star Wars. They might be wrong. Somewhere. Anyway. No, I don't no, know. I heard it myself. I, I watched the movie twice and was listening for stuff and I couldn't hear either. It's definitely a prequel thing. We can we can look at this later. Okay. Um, you can say what you want to say about John Wayne. I'll look this up. Anyway, so I'm trying to figure out how I want to start this conversation. Because yeah, Oscar Isaac was just like generally annoyed at disney and like is isn't afraid to talk about it um meanwhile 
there's this whole like sect of the fan. I don't want to call them a sect because that seems very whatever. Yeah. But like, with the end of this movie, Ray and Ky- Ray and Ben clearly have like a romantic connection. Yeah. And I would suggest you can see that even in the Last Jedi. Like, if if not romantic, there's definitely like emotional intimacy between them. Yeah. Um. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so every fandom has like shipping culture and whatever. Yeah. And that's a thing where people want to see characters together. And for whatever reason, even though I think it's like there's a basis in it in canon, there's like a strong visceral reaction against Raylos, as they are called. Yeah. Um, and like there's a lot of background that I don't really know that much about where I think it's similar to Twilight in the sense like people are attacking them just because it's feminine. Yeah. Um, and people have a problem with femininity in their Star Wars, which is also why The Last Jedi in general gets so much hatred. It's because I think it's probably one of the more feminist pieces of Star Wars that exist. Um, I think there are reasons to dislike it. No, I, I, I agree. Um, I just, I think that's a lot of where that comes from when people hate Holdo, when people hate Ray's character, etc. is like this this sen- semblance of because that's what I've seen a lot from like female creators and whatever um, and critics is people who are like really attach themselves to the Last Jedi because it celebrated this femininity that no other Star Wars movie really has um, and celebrates like the strength of Rey and all these other characters. Anyway, mm. Rise of Skywalker goes back or makes some missteps along a lot of those lines. Um, and so there's like this tension because like at the end of Rise of Skywalker, you have Ben and Ray together sort of, but then Ben dies and like nobody talks about Ben again. And it's like, okay, what does this actually mean? And there's like been backlash and lash against the backlash and whatever. Mm. Anyway, at the center of all of this is John Boyega. Okay. Um, because it was like an Instagram comment or something. Um, this is where it's, this started. And I feel like a lot of people don't realize where this started. Um, cause it started with this Instagram comment where, um, John Boyega made some sort of joke. I don't see what the context is, but like the joke itself is, I found it. Nice. It's like a picture. It's like a picture of like Finn or something. And he's like super happy or whatever. Um, and it's someone saying, oh, it's my boy realizing Kylo died so he can date Rey. And John Boyega replies, it's not about who she kisses, but who eventually lays the pipe. <laughs> Which is like... I mean, that's a, a, that's a pretty witty comeback. Um, <laughs> also very misogynistic. I probably shouldn't laugh, but it's kind of funny. It's like... <laughs> Like it's funny, but it's also really, really misogynistic. Like it's it's kind of taking her choice out of the matter. Yeah, and he he kind of doubled down on it again, where he was like, um, he's like, yeah, lay the pipe. I said what I said. Bye. Um, it's like okay. <laughs> I mean, he's unapologetic about it. He's he's unapologetic. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing. Yeah, because no, I, fair. Yeah, so he said that, and a bunch of people were like, "This is misogynistic," and he was like, "No, it's not." Bye. Which is like, all right, and then okay, he continue. he made the thing about shipping culture. 
Wait, the what? Because what what it was, it was Are like, you talking about the video he released? I I didn't watch the video. I don't know. But like he basically he had all this backlash because he said this thing and he made the backlash about shipping culture and not about the fact that he just said something that was kind of misogynistic. And so he was like, Oh, Raylos are so mad because like I didn't like the ship or whatever like that. I mean I think there's also like And there there are other yeah. Yeah, there are other like there were people that were like blatantly racist to him. There were And there have been for like there the have last been. five years. I don't and again, this is where I don't know all the nuance of it. I don't think that's specifically a shipping thing though. No. I think I think that's something that was especially like before Force Awakens. You know, one thing I found with like within the shipping culture mm-hmm. is that the, the people are pretty pretty um cruel to each other they can't it be. seems from because they're like people who are Raylos that i've i have this thing on twitter now where it always recommends me star wars stuff and so sometimes i see tweets and like there's some Raylos that are like you know just trying to like live their lives yeah they're like hey they're let happy me, let me enjoy the movies and then there are other Raylos that are trying to tear each other apart and i'm like oh yeah guys and that's so like i think like that doesn't change what john boyega said from mm-hmm. being misogynistic but there are perhaps genuine reasons why. Yeah, and that's that's where this is an interesting thing because I think one of the, one of the things that that shipping culture mm. does have, which is problematic, is there's this whole attitude that like John Boyega's comments are less about Finn and Roe and more about him and Daisy Ridley. Finn which, and Roe. Finn, Finn and Ray. Did I say Rose? I definitely. You did. said Roe. Finn and Roe. You combined Ray and <laughs> Poe. Um. Hey. Um, that was almost a thing. That was almost a thing, and I think I think it's problematic to say like, "Oh, John Boyega has this thing for Daisy Ridley." Like, I don't. That's gross. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, yeah. that is. But it's and it's and I've seen. I I will say I've seen that from Ray Lowe's before. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um. But it's also it. it there's a lot of weird generalization on yeah. both sides. Um, um, what John Boyega is doing is not right, but he's also kind of being antagonized. Yeah. So it's like he's being antagonized and he's also being antagonistic. Yeah, it's it's true. He is. And so I'm and like, he likes it. I I've seen people be like, "Yo, Stan, Oscar Isaac, and John Boyega." I'm like, "Hey, Oscar Isaac, like I have no problem because mm-hmm. he's just up against Disney. John Boyega is stoking his own fires." Yeah, yeah, I I understand. Yeah, there's some nuances here that I also am not too terribly yeah. familiar with. Like I watched the video where he punched all the hate comments, which is kind of funny. It was entertaining. I bet. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of wrong on both sides, yeah. which is kind of emblematic of the sequel trilogy. It really is. It's the the whole like aftermath of this movie is just kind of a mess. Like all of all of the all of the the interviews that JJ um, Abrams and Chris Terrio have been doing. Okay, JJ Abrams hasn't really done many interviews. It's, it's mostly Chris Terrio. It's mostly Chris Terrio. He needs Terrio. to shut up because he's, he's making things worse. He is making everything he says is like how. Well, I feel like somewhere Disney just made him the fall guy. Yeah. Which is fair because he did Batman v Superman. Can I, can I ask, like I looked at his history and he literally had nothing before, what was it, Argo? Was that the movie? Something like that. That he wrote, which was like it won an Oscar or something. But like, other than that, he literally had nothing. And then suddenly he's like the super, like superhero writer, but like everything he's touched is bad. I know, and that's the thing. Like that's literally. Like, the I don't know why he keeps done. getting hired. 
Fuck. You know how much better it would have been had Palpatine been hinted earlier in the sequel trilogy? I don't even... I understand that you don't want him at all in the movie. No, that's not what I said. I don't think he should be a physical presence in the movie. Yeah. Um, I think he should be, like, Hannibal Lecter manipulating things from the shadows. Sure. But I feel like had that been hinted at... Oh, yeah. It would have been a better reveal in the, like, final movie it's had it not It's not even all... a reveal in this movie, though. Well, yeah, because the whole, like... <laughs> The, oh, Palpatine's back because of the transmission thing. Yeah. Had that transmission been hinted at in some other movie, like, it would have been less, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know if they, they just needed to have a scene in this movie where, like, they actually reveal Palpatine instead of just stating it yeah. in the first crawl. There was a lot, I feel like, that was cut that shouldn't have been cut. Yeah. But at the same time. I would agree. There, uh, there's issues with the movie. I yeah. just... I try to enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, and I like fair. that there's a yellow lightsaber. There is a yellow lightsaber. Um, it's weird. I don't think there's an Abrams cut. I think there's a lot that was cut from the movie. Yeah. See, like I know we. I briefly. Oh boy. I touched the I mic. Tweeted about the leaks mm-hmm. that supposedly like Abrams had this whole thing with Disney and Lucasfilm, and there was a whole issue there, and. Like, if any of it's true, you have to take out all of the exaggeration because there's a lot of emotional there's exaggeration. There's a lot in that. of exaggeration. Like, like I, there are elements that I think probably are accurate. Oh, yeah. Like, was there a further plan to have more of the Force ghosts in that final scene? I don't think that would be good. I would have so much preferred I that. know everyone wants the Force ghosts. I don't care. I don't know if that would... It, it, that feels like really cheesy storytelling. I, that's also, Star Wars. Also, Luke's Force Ghost looks like trash in this movie. Hey, nope. So, it's, he's very blue. I, yeah, actually, I noticed, noticed that. Um, um, and, like, I'm I am sure the problems aren't Abrams and Terrio. I am sure Bob Iger and, like, the higher-ups had different expectations and desires for yep, this movie. 100%. That doesn't surprise me at all. I think there's a lot of people to blame. I look forward to when I'm 40 and can look back at all of the things that have been revealed in this movie since then. And we can be like, wow, this was a disaster of production. But what I can say is that it's a fitting end to the series because it's kind of all over the place. Just Yikes. like the prequels and the, the originals and and the sequels. So now it's all it's perfect. You get what you deserve. Exactly. Anyway. We've talked too much yes. about Star Wars. Um, I want to play this theme because I'm right and you're wrong. Okay. Um, I'm going to play it into the mic because it's it's worth it. I can't walk out on this war. It's from when Anakin is like talking with Padme Maybe on it is. Tatooine in episode two. We sent out a call for help at the Battle of Crait. Nobody came. Everyone's so afraid. I can hear it. I think it's it sounds pretty blatant. It sounds similar to a lot of the texture of the Attack of the Clones score. I don't know if it's an intentional callback. That's what I don't know. Um, But it is. It's. it's, It 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 does sound textually similar. We're gonna transition into. The Bell Let's Talk portion of this podcast. All right, you want to talk about Ahmed Best. Which is how I'm transitioning into that. (laughs) Anyways, Bell Let's Talk Day, because that's when I'm going to be posting this on Bell Let's Talk Day. Let's talk. Ahmed Best was an actor in the uh, prequel trilogy. Speaking of fanbase vitriol. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's a good transition. Um, 
he was actually one of the only people of color in the prequel trilogy that had a somewhat prominent role. That's true. Other than Samuel L. Jackson, Samuel Jackson. and Samuel Jackson. Yeah. And I don't remember I don't know the actor's name from Phantom Menace who played like the guard the Oh, guy. Well there's there's the guard from Phantom Menace and then there's guard from Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Yes. Who are two different people. But very like very minor roles for yeah. all intents and purposes. Ahmed Best had actually a very prominent role in The Phantom Menace. In fact, he had, I think, like the fourth most screen time or That's something probably true. in the movie. And he played Jar Jar Binks. So Now, if you haven't heard of Jar Jar Binks, he's the key to everything. Because he's, he's a funnier character than they had before. It's true. He is. Um, anyway, Ahmed was, like I said, one of the only people of color to have a prominent role in the prequel trilogy. And he got so much hate after the Phantom Menace. He got and, a lot of hate. And I guess Attack of the Clones. Like again, the prequel trilogy as a whole. He yeah. got so much hate that he like was suicidal at points. Yep. Um, kind of like Jake Lloyd actually. Yeah. <laughs> Who also got a ton of hate. Yeah. Um, Star Wars so fan base sucks. It's fascinating, like everything that that's happened with. Uh, I'm thinking of Kelly Marie Tran. Yeah. Um, comparison with her and Ahmed Best. Yeah. Very similar kind of Because she was like forced off, not forced off social media, but she abandoned social yeah. media. And both had prominent roles in movies only to have their screen time cut to very little in the next movie. That's true. Um, I mean, Jar Jar had like what, all of three minutes probably in the every movie after. Yeah. Like the Attack Phantom of the Menace. Clones. Attack of the Clones, he still has like a, a bit of a role a at the role, beginning, right? And then Revenge of the Sith, I think he has one scene. He is, yeah. I think he's two scenes, one at the funeral and one when he proclaims like the powers for... Palpatine. No, that's an Attack of the Clones. Really? Yeah. The emergency powers? Yeah. That's part of Attack of the Clones because oh, that's be before right. the clone army comes oh, in. Oh, you might be right. Okay, okay. Um, Revenge of the Sith. There's the funeral, which I forgot about, and then when they land on Coruscant, he's there. Oh, okay. And he's like, excuse huh. me, and that's all he says. Oh, I forgot about that. So anyway, both face backlash. Both had their parts cut to basically nothing, regardless of what future plans might have been. Um, probably because of that backlash, or at least I would somewhat, say, yeah. somewhat because of that backlash. Um, though I do find it somewhat hypocritical that some people are very much like, oh, Kelly Marie Tran, Marie Tran shouldn't have had her part cut, when they're all like, oh, Jar Jar should have had his part cut. And that upsets me. That's fair. I think... Because I feel like if the argument is that, like, Rose could have been written better instead of written out, Yeah. same thing could have been said for Jar Jar. That's fair. I think they're two very different characters. I see your argument, yeah. and I think you're probably oh, right. Oh, they're very different characters, but, and one is like a person of color playing like a CGI character, yeah. and one is an actual... Yeah. And um, Jar Jar is created to be more comedic relief, whereas yeah. Rose is created to be a serious character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they probably could have done something with Jar Jar. Yeah. The point is here is that the fan base has made various actors in the trilogies suicidal and it's typically aimed at people of color or yep. people of different nationalities. Though I guess Jake Lloyd is the one exception. But even like Hayden Christensen to some extent is faced Oh yeah. He not got, not to the extent of like He got Ahmed. like excommunicated sort of. Yeah. Um which sucks because the prequels aren't his fault. Yeah, no, exactly. Um so moving into the mental health talk about it or talk i don't know where i was going mm-hmm. with that um it's a very like it seems that a lot of times fan bases while they can be really really like good and create a sense of community they also tend to want to like isolate and pick apart people 
and yeah. other them until they like destroy their mental health. Yeah. Which is a good like Ahmed is probably one of the best examples oh, of yeah. that. Because we don't know too much about Kelly Marie Tran behind the scenes. Yeah. How she's dealing with a lot of it. Yeah. Well, Ahmed has been very yeah. public. With and it's his... also everything with the sequel trilogy is very fresh. Yeah. And I think we're gonna learn a lot in the next couple of years. Yep. But even like Ahmed Best only came out I think relatively recently. To yeah. talk about his experiences. Support Ahmed Best and support people Stan of Best. color and people who are marginalized, even if you might not like their characters in movies, yeah. because you got to separate the character from the person. Yeah. I guess I, I really just wanted to bring this up because Baby Yoda is my son. Okay. Baby Yoda. I mean, not Baby Yoda. I mean, Ahmed. <laughs> Ahmed is. Ahmed, Baby Yoda. Basically, a good example of someone who's come forward to talk about his struggles with mental health on Bell Let's Talk yeah. Day. And how does that transition? Because I'm going to do the same thing on this podcast. So I've got a story to tell. This is just going to be my kind of journey with mental health. And no one literally knows this except for maybe one person. Now everyone. Yeah, well, I mean, my, again, I should, I should clarify. Like, my parents know most of this, mm-hmm. but not, like, the behind... The, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes look of my life. Ooh. Um, the only other person would be um, my friend Oren, who, again, I was in his wedding party, mm-hmm. for those of you that don't don't remember, because it's been, like, three weeks since the last episode. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's been a month. Um, anyway, oh, wow. he... I, like, I've talked to him about this in the past, and I think Logan probably knows bits and pieces of this so this is gonna be the first time a lot of people have heard this story mm-hmm. and luckily no one listens to this podcast really so yeah it's not like what are what are your numbers my numbers like what are the stats uh we get about 60 views an episode that's impressive that's more well, than it, i would think. it was kind of like 50 50 and then the last one was like 30 the last time i checked okay it was iffy we've only had three episodes it's hard to average it's true um we get a few views or lessons i'm too used to youtube sorry um um but yeah so but chances are because this is the one where i'm actually speaking like openly and honestly it's gonna be the one that gets freaking like listens and then i'm gonna have to deal with the fallout but yeah point is like this isn't dropping completely out of the blue but i don't think anyone from ambrose really knows this story Mm. which is probably people who will listen to this so Mm. you're welcome let's jump right into it (laughs) Uh, this is going to be real uncomfortable for me, probably. Excellent. But I have to do this because I promised I would for Bell Let's Talk Day. Last year, I said that this next year, I would do a thing if I had a blog or a podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't have a blog, but I have a podcast. So, for those of you that are unaware of what mental health is, it's basically one's psychological and emotional well-being. Mm-hmm. So it's a simplified definition. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into it, but it's basically how one deals with their emotions and their thought life, almost, really. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times, like, mental health can kind of be split into two portions. There's, like, the actual chemical imbalances mm-hmm. that people deal with. Like, we're talking legitimate mental illness here. Yeah. Like, um, um, is it medical depression? Is that what it's called? Clinical depression. Clinical depression. Clinical depression, like schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I'm going to get these names wrong. Like, bipolar, multiple, is it multiple personalities? I don't know what it's called um, anymore. Dissociative, dissociative identity. Dissociative identity. Thank um, you. Like, legitimate... Borderline personality disorder, etc. Yes. Like, legitimate chemical imbalances. And then there's just normal mental health that's, like, your thought life, your emotional life, yeah. how you... Um, how else would you describe it? Um, 
how you like view yourself self-esteem yeah self-esteem anxiety anxiety like, all these different things the way the way you perceive the world around you so when we're looking at mental health i can't separate that from my enneagram type yeah. because i feel like as a four wing five there's a bit of a predisposition to yep. struggles with mental health um for those of you that aren't too familiar with the enneagram for a four wing five one of the like fundamental I don't know, attributes is the sense of longing. Yep. A deep longing for something that will fulfill their lives or make their lives whole almost. Mm -hmm. um, at least that's for me how I understand it. Um, and it's like, it's weird because for a four wing five, we're deeply emotional. Mm -hmm. Like we feel things deeply and that defines how we view the world. But at the same time, being a, a five wing, mm -hmm. you also end up kind of, falling back into your mind and overthinking things mm. to try to either hide the feelings or justify the feelings mm. or like deal with how you feel so it's a weird it's kind of like a bad combination yeah it, it can be an unhealthy combination i should mm -hmm. say because there's no such thing as a bad combination when it comes yeah. to the like you your, are who you are exactly but the thing is with the type four is you tend to withdraw into the dark spaces because mm. that's where you're I, at least for me that's where i'm more comfortable at times mm. and it can be more comfortable um but that also often ends up being periods of isolation right um and iso isolation is where mental health becomes it's at its most unhealthy yeah. i would say yes um and so before i go to actually yeah before i go too much further i should say what like i'm kind of somewhat clinically diagnosed with mm. i say that because i'm not official like it wasn't an official diagnosis right. i don't have it in writing it's not on my medical record mm -hmm. but i have seen like counselors and whatnot and so i have a, a good idea i already know i have anxiety that's oh, a yeah. different thing i think most people struggle with some form of anxiety i have yes. pretty severe social anxiety yes that manifests in different forms but i also struggle with something called this dysthymia okay so dysthymia is also called persistent depressive disorder and it's distinguished from normal depression because it's usually longer lasting but less severe um, but it can vary so you could it could last years or months or or like a long period of time but it could be like very mild for most of it or it could be severe at parts and it can be cyclical the point is just that it's usually less severe but it's longer lasting. But basically, for instance purposes, you can call it depression, but it's not clinical depression. I want to clarify that. It's not something where I'm on medication. Um, but it's something that my counselors, when I've... I call them counselors. Is that the right word? Well, there's counselors and there's therapists. And what I think I they overlap. What I learned recently is that they are different things. Oh, I, I started seeing counseling relatively recently, and I called it... Because I think counseling is like... Therapy is you go and you're consistently going to like all oh. stuff. Whereas counseling is more like a off and on basis. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, okay. I saw counseling at, at Ambrose. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's where I've, Those I've are counselors. This. So basically, so I want to clarify here that I'm not saying this to get pity. Oh yeah. Because I don't struggle with half the things people genuinely like have chemical imbalances and like, mm -hmm have severe issues with their with mental health that manifest in ways that are maybe less controllable yeah. is how I would describe it. I don't want to paint myself as like, oh, I'm suffering from the worst thing ever. I've had the worst experiences. 
because I really haven't compared to people that genuinely have mm-hmm. um, uh, disorders or uh, are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. Um, but I, the point of my story is to show how little. What would you call? How would you describe these? Like I, anxiety, smaller things that you yeah. things you would consider smaller on an yeah. on a scale, like anxiety or mm-hmm. like non clinical depression. Like anxiety has a huge range. Yeah, but but um, like the the less. Yeah. I don't less serious maybe. Yeah. But like, but still can manifest in ways that spiral out of control. Yeah. And that's kind of the point of my story. But I also, again, the pity thing. There are also people who are marginalized and yeah, like genuinely wake up every day not knowing yeah. if they have enough food to eat, oh, yeah. or not knowing if they have a job or if they will mm-hmm. if they'll get shot by a cop or or like have more severe mental illness or that, more like, severe mental genuinely illness genuinely affects like there are people who have it far worse off than oh, a, yeah. a a middle class white guy mm-hmm. living in one of the safest countries in the world. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think, and this is something that I'm learning more and more, mm-hmm. is you need to claim the legitimacy of like yep. what you do struggle yep. with. Yep, a hundred percent. And that's why, like, I'm just, I guess I'm, I'm saying this so I can point out how even smaller, what some would consider less serious mm-hmm. mental health struggles can still spiral out and make your middle-class privileged white life feel like hell when it's not So basically, for me, my anxiety and dysthymia typically manifest in in feeling like some of this is cliche, but like feeling like I'm not enough, mm-hmm. that no one really cares, no one will miss me if I'm gone, mm-hmm. um, and this kind of these thoughts spiral in your brain over and over and over until it's like a deep seated like you start to really believe it is really what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and so like this all started in my childhood. <laughs> It's kind of cliche also, but I, I only bring this up because it's literally one of my first social interactions I remember hmm. was when I was probably like four, maybe. So like, I'm just starting to form memories, just starting to hang out with like actual people. I'm um, an actual person. Yes, but I was four then. And I'm like 23 <laughs> now. <laughs> um, anyway, my mom, we had just moved into a new house in Airdrie and my mom took me to like a neighbor house to go play with some of their kids and everyone was pretty nice and I was running around on like their jungle gym thing whatever mm-hmm. and I come up to this kid that I hadn't seen before and I'm like oh hi I'm Noah what's your name and he's just like you're stupid Oof. and I'm like kids suck okay and I literally walked away and I just went and I sat with my mom and that was the beginning of what I would call social anxiety kids suck <laughs> like seriously I feel like like it's an oversimplification to say like oh that's like the main struggle i've had in my life mm-hmm. but but that stuff that stuff leaves an effect on you it does and i swear like the fact that i remember it so clearly one of my earliest memories probably as a whole mm-hmm. is something like that like it does affect you and i'm as a kid like as a baby i had separation anxiety oh yeah is like my parents couldn't leave me alone with other people without me crying mm-hmm. um and i got over that by the time i was in like elementary school mm-hmm. Or kindergarten, I guess. But, like, so this is something that 
like it manifests further on in your life. Oh yeah. Um so and as I started to realize that I was kind of going through this, my mindset was always I can deal with this alone. Yeah. And I think that's a danger with anyone struggling with mental health is that you can deal with it alone. And I think it's even more of a danger for type four yep. to withdraw into themselves and think like, it's it's fine. It's just me. I can deal with it. It's mm-hmm. my own problems. No one else should have to struggle with this. And I think that's also being a bit of a like a, there's a bit of a type nine in me where it's like, I don't want to be a burden to other yes. people. Um, I'm sure that's a type four thing as well. I but, think it is. But um, so it's like, you don't want to be a burden. You take it all on yourself. And there are times where you kind of just want to hurt. Like you want to feel that hurt. Yeah. You want to feel like this is a genuine thing, but you don't want other people to know about it. Mm-hmm. But you kind of want other people to know about it, but you don't actually want to tell them. You want people to care, but you want them to reach out for you. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. That's a perfect way to describe it. It's almost self-destructive. It's extremely self-destructive. Um. So for me, like, I can skip elementary school. It's pretty boring. There's not a whole lot to happen. I wish we all could just skip elementary school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but for me, in, like, junior high and high school, mm-hmm. I started to manifest this, like, type 4 longing as a longing for intimacy specifically i had a lot of crushes in high school yep. okay and junior high so and, hmm? mind, i was gonna make a joke about you fantasizing about me and the queen but it's true yeah yeah <laughs> that's how i manifest my longing. <laughs> <laughs> okay um anyway so like in junior high and high school i genuinely like there wasn't a year i didn't have like a crush on someone because it was a way to feel that or try to satisfy that sense of yep. longing. Um, but it also turns your self-esteem to crap when yep. you have social anxiety and literally don't talk to anyone. Yep. Like, or specifically for me, it was talking to girls. I had friends. Yep. Like, I had good, good close guy friends that I could talk to about, like, oh, I have a crush on this person. Mm-hmm. But, like, always being the guy who talks about having a crush on someone and then never actually doing anything mm. kind of destroys your self-esteem. That's fair. So it got to a point by, like, grade 12 like i didn't it's cliche again but like you didn't really like love myself like okay that was awkward i don't know what that was i don't know what that was but anyway it was like there wasn't a whole lot of self-care going on Mm -hmm. it was like a survival um and also constantly longing and feeling like oh i'm not enough if i can't bring this person into my life right or i'm not worth anything if i can't like if I can't get a girlfriend, basically. Mm-hmm. For all intents and purposes, that's what it was. So <laughs> so there's this social anxiety. And then I had to go and get a job in, like, grade 11, grade 12. Right. And, like, working in a stressful work environment, like McDonald's, where I already have anxiety, working in that environment, that's always, like, people yelling at you, mm-hmm. people screaming to get things done. There's not a whole lot of compassion from some managers because they're not actually trained as managers. Yeah, It's like, it's a mess. And so for someone struggling with anxiety and, and what's starting to become a bit of a depression, it really messes with you and becomes very toxic. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people that worked at that McDonald's that have struggled with mental health Yeah, because of, not maybe solely because of it, but like it contributed. Yeah. Like there were some good managers, there were some good people to work with, but when you're constantly being yelled at to do certain things and there's no, you're not treated as a human being, but a number on a board, mm-hmm. it really messes with your self-esteem and your sense of self <laughs> as a whole. So in grade 12 was 
there's a whole thing where I had to leave my my school that I'd gone to growing up. A- mm. I'm going to call them out. AKCS. They're not called that anymore, so. Get called out. Um, I had to leave that school with, like, half the class because there was this whole issue with building a new building. Yeah. And it, there was, like, a whole bunch of drama there. And so half of my class left for the grade 12 year, which is not the best year to leave a school. Nope. And we all did Rocky View online school. Oh, so that means like we kind of met up like a few times a week to like do a Bible study or to like do a little bit of work together. But some of us weren't taking the same courses. Right. So like there, by the second semester, there was a lot of isolation mm-hmm. and there were days where I would just lie in bed mm-hmm. and like not do anything because I only had one class the whole second semester. <laughs> I kid you not, my life was Minecraft and lying in bed. Wasn't that every high schooler's life, though? I mean, I feel like most people actually had, like, a school to go to. That's fair. So that's when I had my first serious, like, bout of depression, mm. I guess. Is that what you call it? I don't yeah. Know. Um, episode, whatever. Episode. Period. And there was, like, a good two or three months where I was really, really struggling to do anything. Like, no motivation, no energy, isolated almost entirely for most mm. of the week, stuck in bed, playing video games, like... And you just end up feeling worthless or not worthy or not enough on love. No one really cares. And my friends are fine without me. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a common thread that comes up later on. I'm going to point that out right now. Yeah. Those feelings that I felt in grade 12 during that second semester, they keep coming back. So for me, that's how that kind of depression manifested. And when you have social anxiety, mm-hmm. it's really easy to just withdraw into yourself and try to deal with it. Um, and I found, tried to find other ways to escape, which were not really healthy. Mm-hmm. I didn't do drugs or drink alcohol, so that's good. Shame. But like, yeah. So, it, but somehow I guess by the time I graduated that year, like I kind of got out of it a bit. Mm-hmm. Like I got out of my mind a bit. Like there was a lot to do with graduation where I had to get out of myself. Oh yeah. So it was kind of good. It sparked me out of it. And then going to Ambrose, you would think like, oh, that'd be when it would strike hard too, because your first year you're trying to fit in. So it's, it's hard. But it's you hard found to fit so in. many cool friends. Actually, no, I made like almost no friends in my first yeah, year. Yeah, that took a while. <laughs> like with, I think because Greg was someone who came to Ambrose with me and also Dion started at the same time All as right. me as well. And then Logan started like the, my second semester. Okay. So like I didn't know people. Um, and I actually was part of kind of a floor on Res a little bit. Oh, really? Were you? you yeah, because you were a floor brother, weren't you? Yeah, for like a little while. Yeah. I was with uh, Bethel. Okay. That floor. And I was, there were some good, there were some really good people. I still. Yeah. Bethel, Bethel's people. a solid group of people. Shout out to Mark, who is the uh, RA for Bethel in my first year. Well, Mark, you never, you never knew him. Really? He graduated that year. Interesting. He was like, he was one of the people that like, I would, <laughs> this is sad. What's his last name? Rilling, I think. Okay, yeah. So I would sit in the calf at a table. Like, I'd go, like, somewhat early or, like, earlier and right. find a table. So, you know, some people would have to sit with you, right? Yeah. <laughs> nope. Aww. Had a table to myself almost every day. Aww. It was hilarious, actually. Me and Greg had a running joke about that because <laughs> he would come by, too. So, like, did that help my mental health? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I didn't adequately describe the fact that i i was literally sitting at those tables by myself specifically to try to make friends because i thought you know it'd be easier to fit in if i'm sitting at a table in the calf right and not having anyone come up to you at all for like two or three months 
um yeah i mean it really it was more demoralizing than maybe i painted it out to be but it looking back it is kind of funny um but yeah people were kind of would mark sit with you and that's what i was going to point out mark would was one of the first people that would come be like hey how's it going and then like make conversation then we ended up kind of becoming friends and him and that whole bethel floor kind of took me in like danny danny randall yep what a boy and um who else like tori yep um uh jared yep alistair yep like a good group of guys that like uh, i i would consider like well they were friends at that point it's been a while but even even now i think that's something that has continued with bethel is like bethel's weird but bethel has solid community yep and it's i'm glad i think um dan dan lee is still yeah is he still the ra yep he's he's also was one of the people that like he's just yeah. He brings people in. He's very he welcoming. Does. Yeah. Um. And so, like, shout out to Bethel and like all those people, and to also Josh and Ben. Mm. I don't know if you knew either of them. Maybe. I don't remember their last names, but they were they were good good guys too. Not, not Ben Mueller. I'm assuming. No, Ben. Um. I had a who, dream who, who about there? him the other day. Really? I did. That's weird. Like, I, I don't talk it. to Ben at all, and I had a dream. Um. Shoot, what was it? It was some like. It was weird. Do I want to know that? I don't. I, it was a strange dream. I don't know. I th- I think I was in an IKEA. I, we can move on. <laughs> okay. Let's just. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Anyway, so you're one. You would think it'd be pretty bad, but there were actually some decent moments in there. Um, and I felt fairly like somewhat accepted, I guess. Yeah. Um, and that was helpful. You think like, oh, things are getting better, and then year two happens. Yep. And that would have been what your first year. Uh, yeah. So my year two, <laughs> I wrote here, this is going to be the first time I swear on the podcast, everything went to shit. Nice. Um, so McDonald's took a, like, year one, it was mad, I just did my job, whatever. Year two is when it really started to, like, go downhill. Mm. And second semester, for me, was, like, everything fell apart. So I was carpooling in first semester. Second semester, I wasn't, just because Yikes. schedules didn't line up. Okay. I literally... I'd kind of made some friends in first semester or like, you know, Jordan or Ethan. Yeah. And I really didn't see them at all second semester because I came to Ambrose specifically to go to class and go home. I didn't stay in the collegium. I didn't do do anything. I don't even think I went to chapel most of the time. Yeah. Um, So I isolated myself entirely that year. That's a, that's a a whole, that's a whole thing with Ambrose. We're like, Ambrose has a really solid community, but you have to step into it. You have to step into it. And I think, I I would say that's probably community in general, but like, Ambrose is a good playground for that. It's emblematic. It's emblematic. Um, so that's what happened that second semester, along with the fact that McDonald's, our locations were sold to a new owner who decided to screw everything up. Yikes. And switch all the managers around. And so it really, like, the the environment it was the lowest work morale i've ever been a part of that's everybody hated being there nobody was happy and it just it was that was a really hard time plus not really having any friends that i talked to regularly plus like school just being meh mm. like it was just a really hard semester and i fell back into that depressive spiral of like no one cares why would i bother going to class why would i bother seeing my friends they're fine without me it's not like they they they'll need to see me they're good they don't need me in their lives i'm fine so i only left house to go to class i couldn't get out of bed some days i had low energy like the whole time again no motivation thing Mm -hmm. 
So basically, like I wrote this here that says like depression gets gets me locked inside my own thoughts and feelings and I spiral out and can't really control it. Yeah. And that's how I would describe kind of that um, situation. Mm-hmm. And there was a point at the end of that second semester that, so second semester, second year, if you're keeping track. Yeah. I literally started noticing that every day I was like, wow, I'm depressed. I hate this. I need to escape. And that was just like a running thread every single day. Mm. It wasn't like, and it's not like I'm consciously thinking that. It's just, it's a thought. What would you call it? A thought cycle? Yeah. That just comes comes through every day. Yeah. And so I really didn't have anyone to talk to about any of this. I didn't want to talk to my parents because I didn't know if yep. it was legitimate or not. Yep. I didn't have really any friends at Ambrose to talk to about it. No offense to my friends that I still had at that time. All right. I just need to cut in to note that there were definitely people at Ambrose I could have talked to about this. I'm thinking specifically of Logan and Dion. Um, and I think like after the fact, I did talk about it a little bit. But at the time, you have to understand the mindset of like they don't need me to tell them about this stuff like they've got enough on their plate i don't want to be a burden again that comes up um and so like 100 percent, they would have you know they they would have listened and there are other people that would have listened it's more that i just didn't want to admit it was real um so i like I talked to, again, Oren comes up in this story a bit. He's the only one I kind of talked about with my previous issues. Mm-hmm. And, like, he is a good listener, and he's, like, would I could call him anytime, and he'd almost always answer because I was up late at night and whatever. It was weird. Hey. Um, anyway, so Oren, he was good, and we would talk through some stuff, but he was also very fundamentalist evangelical. <laughs> and so some of his advice was, like, you just need to give more to God and read your Bible. Yeah. And I'm, like, I get, like, looking... It wasn't helpful at the time when you yeah. say that, but I, his heart was in a good place. Yeah, like, and he was—he still listened to a lot of my issues and helped. But yeah, that's not the best thing to say to someone yeah. when you're struggling with that. So, like, not not gonna throw Orin under the bus because he's still like he's the only one I could turn to, and I called him at all hours of the day. Yeah, and he had his own stuff going on at that time too. So, like, it was it was a really rough scenario, and things are about to get dark. I'm gonna give a warning now that. The next content warning. The next bit is gonna be fairly dark and Yeah. So well actually first of all, exams kinda kicked me out of it a bit. Yeah. Exams tend to take you out of yourself when you have something to focus on. Yeah. So at that point I realized that my life was not heading in a good direction and I could see where things were gonna go. And so and there's a very specific point where I remember sitting in my room or walking around my bedroom actually. And realizing I almost had a vision, okay? Mm. I almost had a vision of my life at 26. Ooh. Where I was living on my own in an apartment, isolated, didn't really see people very often. I was finishing up a, a story that, of my life that I had written out so that everyone would finally understand everything that I'm feeling Ooh. and going through. And after hitting the enter button on like the last word... I'd leave my laptop open. <laughs> this is I, I've yeah. got to laugh because it's it's too dark for me not to. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And basically, I would like hop on a rope and call her a day, mm-hmm. or I guess a life. Sorry, that's dark. <laughs> um. Or I don't know. That's yeah. what I at the time I imagined my body dangling beside a laptop open with my life story. Yeah. And like, 
not only did I want to hurt in that scenario, I wanted other people to understand how much it hurt. Yeah. And for them to feel kind of like understand how I felt mm-hmm. and feel similar ways. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's a weird thing. Yep. But that's where I was at that summer. I'm not going to lie. That's where I was at that yep. summer. And like, that's really sad. And there were like, look, like I, I was, that's the closest I would say I've I'm debatable. I was mm-hmm. never really suicidal. Like there was no point where I really wanted to die, but I could see where my life would go, mm. where I could get to a point where I would be that way. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to clarify for all of you worrying right now, listening to this podcast. Like, oh no, was no, it was like suicidal, and we didn't know about it. Well, kind of, but also it was kind of like pre- predict predictory. Yeah, it's like less. It's less like, oh, I'm making a plan to kill myself today. And yeah. more like, I can see a scenario in the future where if I continue yeah. this way of thinking and this way of living life, I am going to yeah. end up like that. Because that's the thing, is if you are... I, I learned this when I was at RA last year. Ooh. When you're when you're in a leadership position and you have someone who's like contemplating suicide, yeah. something you ask is if they have a plan. Yeah. Because there are people who won't have a plan and it's just a thought that's in their head. That's that, way like, better. They don't really intend on yeah. acting on it. It's just yeah. there. But if they have a plan, then you need to bring in services. Because yeah. that is a completely different conversation. And so that's why, like, what I... That's why I consider it borderline. Because technically, yeah. that is a plan. It's just not a, a plan that I... It wasn't like I was planning to do it in the near future. It was just, like... It was a fantasy. I know but I was like, going to say the same yeah. word, though. It's kind of a fantasy. Um, so basically, I quit my job. That's because fair. it was toxic. And I'm like, I need to change things. So I quit my job and I went on a road trip with Greg and a guy named Robert, um, who Bobber. I played, uh, played video games with. Um, so that was that was a really that was a bit of a life changer kind of thing. Good. Like it was helpful, um, but it was also a big old band aid because I, I never. Joke. <laughs> oh no, it was a band aid. Okay, it was a band aid because I never addressed my actual feelings. Right. So year three, year three, that was your year two. Nice. Year three was when I met Glendon, so, kind of. It's me. Well, I, we didn't really meet. It my was, sexiness made your life better. Yeah, that's not what, what happened no. at all. But okay, anyway, I just pretended my depression didn't exist and tried to get more out of myself and yeah. be more social, which was helpful. I won't it lie. Was. Um, Like first semester, I started to reconnect with like Jordan and Ethan, like mm-hmm. friends like that. And then um, there was kind of like a whole lot of, I distracted myself with church stuff, okay? Nice. Like, that was my means of escape by focusing on how bad my church was. That sounds about right. Because that was when the whole prosperity thing, I was really focused on that. And it was real bad. Like, wisdom literature, I did a whole thing on that. And then Jeremiah, I kind of did a thing on that. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, well, I didn't really do that for Bible and pop culture. But you talked about DC Talk, which I feel like is in the, in the same category. I mean, yeah, a little bit. I talked about CCM and how it sucks. So. You talked about CCM. Through um, DC talk. <laughs> yep. True. Um, so basically, I was just trying to avoid my pain and feelings. But obviously, it didn't always go away. And there was a point, like, I wrote this story for wisdom literature that I read to the class. It was, like, one of my first presentations I had to do for Colin. Mm. Um, and I went way too long in the class. Like, I tried to summarize the story because it was too long to read in class. Right. While also kind of, like, explaining what I was doing. And... I got my mark back and like I was kind of disappointed and upset and I didn't write anything for four months. Okay. Because my, again, my mindset was still not in a very good place yeah. at that point. Um, 
I ended up writing another story for Colin four months later to prove him wrong, and I got a better mark. Good. Just so we all know. But anyway, so, like, it was, going, it was going better. There was more friendship stuff happening. It was, like, I was being, I was out of my mind. I was, mm-hmm. not la- not that way. I was getting out of yeah. my head. That's yeah. a good way to put it. Not out of my mind, because that sounds bad. But then, once again, March and April hit. Yep. It seems to be a trend yep. for me. Um and things got potentially worse than they had ever been. And so this is what happens with anxiety and depression is yep. it's very cyclical, especially with yes. dysthymia. It, it again, seasonal. It comes back and it comes back hard. And so in March and April, I had someone who I didn't really know too well, but I grew up kind of knowing was in the grade above me. Mm. Same social circles. Um his name was David and he um he he committed suicide mm-hmm. around that time, end of March, early April. Um, it was actually kind of a big thing around Ambrose and like other schools that I'd been to. Because mm. um, there were quite a few people that knew him. He because again we all went to Christian schools growing up, right? So people around here they knew the guy and the funerals at my church because he had gone to my church at one point, and like hearing how he killed himself, mm-hmm. like kind of affected me more than I thought it would, and it started like becoming cyclical again where i would kind of like think about it daily without realizing it and like man he found a way out he kind of like found a way to escape you know and um things kind of happened where i had to try to find a job again right because i needed money and that was giving me immense anxiety because of my previous job like you start to associate those feelings Mm. with well, where you felt them. It's almost trauma in yeah, a way. Yeah. It's almost trauma. It is. Though, again, I don't want to... People who genuinely like go to war and like have yeah. legitimate... Or like are but, raped. But trauma manifests in different ways. It's and true. like all trauma is trauma despite... And all trauma is like... And again, this is just stuff that I've been learning for myself where it's like... It's so easy to rationalize stuff away and be yep. like, other people have had it worse. But like your trauma is your trauma. Yep. And that is what you have to deal with. That's exactly it. And so I was dealing with a bit of trauma and trying to find a job after that was like really hard. And I couldn't imagine myself going to an interview and being able to do it. I, I couldn't, I could not, I would, I would almost have panic attacks is how I would describe it mm-hmm. and freak out. Um, and like, um, not to like, my parents got after me a little bit to get a job because obviously mm. they want me, they want to see me be like, make money and not like, you know, I'm going to debt, right? Yeah. I had student loans at that point. So, like, they were pushing me a bit, and they were trying to do it in helpful ways, and what they were saying was right and rational and logical and really, like, it would have been helpful. Mm-hmm. But I was not in the mindset that I could accept that, and so I started to harbor, like, resentment a little bit. Right. And that's nothing... Again, my parents are very supportive. They're very, like... They've done a lot for me, and, like, things get better in the story, but I just don't want to paint them out as, like, the villains here yeah. is what I'm clarifying. Yeah. Because... Yeah, that's not fair to them. And I, it should also be noted, I still haven't told anyone I've been struggling with this at this point. Right. Outside of Oren, who had gone on, like, some trip to, like, work in, like, a lodge in BC, or in mm-hmm. Ontario. So, I didn't really talk to him much. So, like, I had more friends at Ambrose. I was, had kind of people like that, but I didn't tell them anything. Right. And I still haven't told them anything, <laughs> which is why this podcast is happening. So. And so combine that with like the church anger and feeling alone from that kind of like church stuff where I'm like, no one understands this. I feel like no one understands me. Yeah. That's how it quickly escalates to. 
And so combine that with your job anxiety, mm-hmm. your like a rough semester three, I think I had six classes. So I had a lot like on my plate. Yeah. Or not semester, year three, semester two. Yeah. Um, so I had a lot on my plate, job anxiety, someone I know had killed themselves and left me thinking about suicide. Yep. Um, combine that with feeling like no one understands me and I can't tell anyone anything. Like you start, you get to a bad, bad place. Mm-hmm. And like the one thought that kept going through my head is no one will miss me when I'm gone. Yeah. And that's, I feel like that's almost the like earmark. Is that the right word? Mm-hmm. The mark of depression. Yeah. Is that no one will miss you when you're gone. And that's when it gets to a point where things get bad. Yeah. Like that's when, that's the furthest along I was. And it finally reached a breaking point one night. And again, this is going to get dark. I'm sorry. Yay. Um, so I finally tried to find some hope about a job. I really amped myself up, tried to get past my anxiety. And I found mm-hmm. like, I don't remember if it was a job opportunity or what, but like I was going to try to apply for it. And I went and I brought it up with my parents and not that they weren't supportive, but they brought up a lot of logistic issues mm. with like, are you actually going to submit a resume? Are you going to go and talk to them? Like you actually have to do these things. Yeah. Like genuine, like genuine things that you have to do to get a job. Oh, yeah. Right. Instead of just the idealistic way I was kind of viewing it. Yeah. But I couldn't handle that that night. Yeah. It was not my state at that point. It was, I was at my breaking point and that night I broke. And, um, so again, not to blame anyone in particular, because it's, this is on this is on me, and my parents didn't understand what I was going through at that point. Mm-hmm. So for them, just pushing me, it was like gently pushing me to get say, a job. Yeah. Again, um, things I'm learning. Um, it's less like it's all about you, and more just those are the circumstances. Yeah, those are the circumstances. That's like, good. It's not like it's your fault. It's just life happens, and it's people, no one's fault. People don't mean things, but things yeah. have an effect. Exactly, and that's that's exactly it. They didn't mean to do with what ended up happening that night because they didn't know they didn't know i was going through all of this immense anxiety at that point like it was the worst my anxiety's ever been plus my depressive thoughts yeah it just it was at a point i just couldn't handle it and so it was convenient they both happened to leave that night Mm -hmm. to go somewhere and um i had to make a choice and i picked up my phone and I I was going to make a joke, but I'm like, this is not a good time to make no. a joke. Um, I had to choose between, like, did I want to die or did I want to escape? Mm. And I'm like, man, I don't want to die. I came to that, I already came to that conclusion, right? From previous that previous summer. I'm like, I need to change things because I don't want to die. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I didn't, like, attempt suicide just so you're all. I was kind of building up to that, but no, I didn't. Instead, I ran away. Mm. I grabbed my phone. I grabbed some headphones, and I went for a walk. Mm. Imagine that. Someone going for a walk. Now, big thing, though, I didn't tell anyone I was going for a walk. So when my parents got home, they just saw my car there, and no one was home. And I'm sure their thoughts were also thinking, because they knew the David who had committed suicide right. at that point. So they probably weren't thinking good thoughts like at that point either like they were probably like oh crap what did noah just do right i'm nowhere to be found i just went for a walk around the lake which was weird enough that like no one would expect it because i didn't leave the house right so as i walked around the lake that night kind of listening to music kind of 
thinking through all of my feelings and and what I wanted to do, I I I really wanted to run away, start fresh, figure out my life away from everything that I felt like was bringing me down, and I associated my friends and family with everything that was bringing me down, and they would just wake up one morning and I'd be gone. And I was okay with that, and they wouldn't know if I'm dead or alive, and that wouldn't matter because, I mean, at some point, I'd, if I stayed hidden long enough, I'd be considered dead. So it was a way out that didn't involve actually dying. It's not the, it's not a good plan, but that's what I was thinking through as I was walking along, and like, just all this hurt that I was harboring that no one had really, like, no one had inflicted but myself. Like, no one had ever been anything but, like, kind and loving and caring to me, both from my family, my friends, even professors, like, even, even pastors for all intents and purposes. No one had ever been anything but good to me. And yet, these feelings of hurt were just harbored deep inside. And I, I had to find a way to get out of it. I had to find a way to get out of the spiral, the cycle. And a, a part of me knew that if I if I just stayed out late enough, if I just didn't answer any calls, if I didn't reply to anyone and no one knew where I was, I'd get home to people who were justifiably freaked out and afraid and I'd have to finally tell everyone how I felt and what I was going through, because that's the only way I figured I could get out of this cycle. Um, and they freaked out mm-hmm. because it was like 10 o'clock at night and they're like, oh crap, where is he? And so I get home and that's when the big heart to heart happened. Mm-hmm. I explained what I was going through because I didn't really have a choice. When you come home and your parents were sitting in the kitchen and you have to explain yourself, I'm like, it's part of me was like, this is finally the opportunity I needed to mm-hmm. push myself to finally explain what I'm going through because I wouldn't be able to bring it up any other way. Mm-hmm. I had to. I almost had to spark a situation where that would be able to occur naturally, almost kind of naturally where I felt comfortable bringing it up. Um, and so I finally explained everything and they obviously, obviously felt bad (laughs) and like were very sympathetic and supportive and basically told me that like they'll pay for any counseling or therapy or whatever that I wanted mm-hmm. to go to, which is really good. That's again, that's what you need to tell people if yeah. they're willing to get help yeah. at that point. And I was, because I realized that if I'm at the point where I have to choose to yep. like a method of escape, <laughs> time to get help. Yep. So that's why like, I, I clarified that I was never suicidal because I didn't want to die, but I yeah. did want to escape. And there's a big difference there. Yeah. Um, and so I started going to counseling. And, like, that helps a big time. Yep. Helps a big time. Helps a big boy. <laughs> helps a big boy. Big daddy. <laughs> uh, that, also, that's a little bit of Also, catharsis. I got a text from Sarah, and she's like, yeah, I'd love to come on the podcast. I'm like, I, we're an hour in. Oh, <laughs> hour and a half. Come on over. <laughs> we're almost done the story. Almost done. 
Um, anyway, so I started counseling. It was really helpful. I got a job at Rev. Uh, we're not done the story yet. Um, summer camp. I did some summer camp stuff in my church. Whatever that Bible camp thing churches put on. VBS? That's it. Yeah, I helped out there. Had weddings. Had some good times in the summer. And, like, I really started to, like, heal, I think is a good way to put it. Like, it was finally out in the open. Like, I wasn't just harboring all of these, yes. like, struggles myself. That it was finally, like, people knew about it. Um, and so for year four was when I started to heal. And wow, that's when I actually started to meet people in the English program. Sup? Oh, I actually know I met Sarah Joy in, in year three, semester yeah. two. Yeah, she didn't know any of this when I was going through it. She was getting married. She's planning a wedding at that point. Yeah. That was like, she always showed me in geology. Anyway. And now you're not on talking terms. Yeah, now we're not on speaking terms anymore. So. Um, it's a joke, by the way. <laughs> is it? <laughs> anyway, so year four was really good, I would say. Mm-hmm. You were there. I was there. Sarah Joy was there. We're not in speaking terms, but and other Sarah was there. And like English stuff. Like we just there was a good bond between English was, majors. Yeah, that was that was a good year, I think, for all of us. But I know I know for me and I think for you as well, because mm. I had sort of spent the first two years of my degree like hanging with res people and like some commuter people. Yeah. And I never really had a thought of like, oh, like the people in my program can be my friends. Mm. And I don't know. It just kind of happened. And it was really good because yeah. it makes going to school like 50 times better. Oh, 100. It was like looking forward to class instead of like, eh, I've got to go to class. It's yeah. Like, oh, I get to go to class and like see these people and talk about stuff that's interesting. Yeah. It helps the classes were good. Yeah. But like it was just it was a really good year for all of us like to bond i think i hate that word but yeah we bond bond um and so like it was positive and like i've got to say like i also started to find myself like spiritually yeah and like where i fell on like that spectrum and finding people that believed the same things i did or were struggling with the things same things i did and finding that community there as well started to bond with people and like the oneness and you started bonding one list (laughs) there was a lot of i found a lot of peace in that though yeah. like finding kind of like where i belonged almost and like releasing that sense of self that i had been so attached to that was like i'm worthless no one cares and like finding uh, building positive thoughts like no i am worth something like yeah. people do care i do have friends and like i do come to school and i want to see them yeah and like maybe they'll miss me when i'm not <laughs> see that's a bit of an improvement there you go. But, I mean, I did have anxiety. Sort of sitting in the cups on a lot. Yeah, nope. Nope. But I did have anxiety going into, like, at graduation and whatnot. Like, mm-hmm. there was a month where I literally left my old church, which was a big move. Yeah. Finally get out of that situation. I graduated and, like, literally started, like, wasn't really seeing anyone anymore. Like, I didn't have a church to go to. Right. I didn't have a school to go to. Right. I saw, like, you were at camp. Yep. Uh, most people were busy or working or gone. Like, so it was, a, it was a period where, like, was it a little bit hard? Sure. But I still had a lot of ways that I was, like, more healthily dealing with my my mental health. Mm-hmm. I was I was found healthy ways to cope. And, like, reading and going for walks. <laughs> Good walks this time. Good walks. And, like, spending time outside. And just, like, being positive and, like, embracing positivity, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. Was a big beneficial part. And I started, I went to Victoria by myself, which is a big thing for me. Because I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Um, years ago. Look at you go. And so, like, it was a big move. And then <laughs> everything fell apart. No, I'm kidding. Kind of, though. I watched a puppy in August. A little yellow lab. 
that was a really stressful you week. You washed a puppy? Oh, you watched right for a yes, week. I, I, I puppy this. sat. I, I literally had this. like that's the worst anxiety attack I've had ever, other than like you know third year. That was bad. But this was like only a week, and it was like I freaked out. I, I like freaking started crying to the puppy <laughs> because he was wouldn't listen. Anyway, I learned that maybe all of my oneness and like meditation and whatnot I needed to work on it because it didn't work very well <laughs> in that moment. Um. But, like, I want to say, like, oh, there's a happy ending and I'm really good now. And, like, things are just so much better than they were. But life goes on. And, like, with dysthymia and, like, mental health, like, it still creeps up on you. You still have to keep up on it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll be honest, there have been times in this last four or five months where I have not been in very good places. Yeah. I mean, I literally went on a 38-tweet rant at night on Twitter. Often. It was once. Well, you go on Twitter rants. Oh, no, but I only had one night where I tweeted 38 times. And it sounded like... My, everybody told me it sounded like a suicide note. I didn't think that. Thank you. I appreciate that. It was weird, though. Let's see if I can find But that. that's because that night I had a really dark... Like, I just felt like I wasn't enough again. Yeah. That's a good way to describe it. And so instead of channeling that negative energy... Into being negative, I had a little bit to drink and tweeted a bunch of gratitude, I guess. And uh, a full credit to Logan and Dion, who uh, the morning after those 38 tweets, Logan texted me and was like, hey, you want to come over for for dinner tonight and hang out? And I'm like, oh, yeah, for sure. Because that's a good way to, if you feel like someone you know might be struggling with something, like might be struggling with their mental health and they tweet 38 times at night a bunch of random grateful things and you're concerned one of the best ways to communicate um that sense of like just i don't know solidarity is to invite them over for dinner so i just want to give full um a full shout out to them now i'm going to throw sarah joy under the bus Sarah Joy had said something to me when we met for coffee a few months back, mm. um, and it messed me up. <laughs> okay. Oh. So that's what we're not on speaking terms anymore. <laughs> it's not kind of not true. Anyway, um, we're on speaking terms. She's going to listen to this and probably text me. She's going to listen to this and feel so bad. Yeah. You realize that? She's I know. Like, she's like, Noah. Not, again, I, this is the same thing with my parents. I don't blame anyone. Yeah. But, like, she mentioned something to me, like, Noah, I don't want to see you stalling. Mm. Like, stalled out. And not, like, really pursuing what you what you want to pursue. Mm. And she mentioned that. And, like, frick, it weighed on me for months. Nice. Like, it just stayed with me. And you would think, oh, that's a positive thing. It's going to motivate them to move on. But, no, it just made me feel bad about my current circumstances. Mm. <laughs> because, like, I can't switch out of rev right now. I'm not in a position where I can do that. Hmm. I my job is screwed over right now because they cut half the work yeah. from graders and whatnot. So I'm struggling to to some extent to make ends meet. The things changed recently with other financial aid. Long story, but job still stresses me out like heck right now. Okay, um, and so like feeling like man, what if I'm just like stalled here mm-hmm. and I'm not doing what I should be doing or what I want to be doing? Yeah, and like I want like. Is it not enough for me to be content with, like, seeing friends fairly often, like, twice or two or three times a week, if not more, because I could come into Ambrose? And, like, I was really content with that until she brought that up. Yeah. And then I'm like, am I content with this? 
I started to um, what's the term that I used earlier when I talked about my parents? No, when I talked about my parents, and I said like unconsciously started to like something them like blame feel blame them feel angry at them. Yeah, that's not the word. There's a better word though. Yeah, resent. Anyway, and like so, I started to be like. Maybe for me to have to move on in life, I have to, like, separate myself from, like, Ambrose and, like, mm. from seeing my friends so often because maybe that's what's making me stall. Maybe that's why I can't motivate, motivate myself to move on from Rev. Mm. Maybe I need to just separate myself from that and isolate myself. Mm. You can see where this is going. Okay, so that was, like, November, December-ish. Mm. And then I, coming back from Christmas, I'm, like... Maybe I should genuinely just focus on moving on and just not ever bring it up and never see them again. No. <laughs> and so, like, because I I started to think, like, every time I'm with my friends, I'm thinking, like, maybe I shouldn't be here mm. because I should be focusing on moving on in life. Mm. And, like, that contentedness I felt was gone. Mm. And so I didn't... I started not coming to Ambrose this semester until mm. today. Yeah. <laughs> like... Clendon can like prove I literally haven't been here in months, a month. A every month. every day. Every day. Every day I go to the communal lounge and I'm like, maybe my boy is here. Oh my goodness. This is this isn't even a joke. This oh, is like every, well, that's wholesome. I'm like, maybe maybe Noah's gonna be here and then he isn't. And so I'm glad that you're back. And this is the first time so this is me coming back. I'm only back because of the podcast. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm not. Um but that's I'm not going to lie. There were four times so far I've thought about going to Ambrose in the morning. Mm -hmm. And every time I just look at my clock, my alarm, and I'm like, I'm going to go back to bed. That's also fair. Um, And like, I, I started to like isolate myself again. And were there, was it getting unhealthy a bit? (laughs) Yeah, it was. But um, there's a lot of fear with regards to that. And Mm -hmm. like, it's almost less to do with my, like it did affect my mental health, isolating myself again. But it's Mm -hmm. almost more so that like, I have a fear of not only just stalling, but of everyone moving on without me. Mm. Dang, that was real. Yeah. But that's, it's true. That's genuinely, like, I'm afraid that, like, because at some point this is all going to (laughs) end. And I don't mean life. I mean, like, people are going to graduate. People are going to move on. People are going to have jobs and lives. Mm -hmm. People are going to have, like, a home life where, like, people care when they come home at night. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, I am I going to have that? You will have that. Am I? Or is everyone... Is it going to be, like, the summer where literally no one ever talks to each other? hmm Which, like, no, again, not blaming anyone. Yeah. But, like, there's a reason I hate planning things with... I hate being the planner. Yes. With with friends and, like, whether... It, this, this is about the podcast, too. This is good. Mm-hmm. I hate planning things. I hate scheduling things because no one ever shows up. I show up. Okay, you show up every time. Kate Glendon's the one exception. Fair, fair enough. Yeah. You, but you and I are in similar circumstances where not a whole lot going on. Yeah. You have, you have school stuff. Yeah. And I have work stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, you don't have a secondary job kind of thing. Yeah. Like we I both have a primary job. We both stay up late and sleep in late. Okay. Ooh. So like we're in similar circumstances where it works like that. Yeah. But like. Every time I try to plan something with anyone else, when I do the planning, it falls through. When other people plan, I just show up and it's easy. Yeah, and it's exactly. great. But like, 
I have such a fear of losing what I have. Yes. That I isolated myself, so I made myself lose what I had. Yeah. I feel like there's something Star Wars related in there. Yeah, probably. Um, so it's like, it's Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi. There you go. Yeah, that's a good... Isolating himself because he's afraid of destroying what he has. Yeah. Any further. Um, and that's how I felt. Yeah. And so that's kind of why I haven't been in Ambrose for a while. And that's why, if you're I listening see. to this, I probably have only seen you yesterday because I have to read some poetry at something. So to kind of wrap up this half of the episode basically i am am so afraid of losing what i have or of destroying what i have that i end up isolating myself and well <laughs> losing the the friendships or the relationships that i've made along the way because i'm so afraid of that very fact when you struggle with mental health, it leads you to isolate yourself like that. It leads you to think that you're going to be the reason everything falls apart and you lose everything. So the only way out of that out of that spiral is to trust. Trust and communicate with the people around you, your friends, your family, that you're feeling this way. And more often than not, they will understand and they'll walk right alongside you through this so yeah that's uh the wrap-up of part one and be sure to a tweet something or text something or use the the hashtag bell let's talk because a portion of the proceeds from that will be going towards mental health causes in canada and number two be sure to check out part two of the podcast or of this episode of the podcast for glendon's half of the story we'll see you there